What's up, everyone? I'm Katherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. For this episode, I have Todd McDonald on talking about stablecoins, Corda Settler, and the recent news about JPM coin. So JP Morgan recently announced their digital coin using blockchain. He also discusses the drama taking place, and some are calling it a cryptocurrency. Then we have Dave Hudson, head of solutions engineering here at R3, talking about why enterprise blockchains are important, what it means to shrink nodes and why that's valuable, business network tools, quarter trials, and much, much more. I'm sure that was not in order, by the way. Um, anyways, I can't believe I get to work with these people. They teach me so much. Thank goodness I have an excuse to make them teach me things via this podcast. Okay, on to Todd. Todd is back on the pod. Hello, Catherine. Did you like that one? Yeah, that was a little understated. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to be like you know, a little more casual. Yeah. Oh, really? Last time we recorded, I was singing. So. Yes. And the time before that. And the time for that. And, and the, the time, time before, before that. that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today? I am doing great. I just had some uh, dark chocolate almonds and iced coffee, so I'm ready. Oh yeah, you're amped. I up. am amped up. You know what I noticed because we have. Free-flowing coffee here mm-hmm. because we're all working very hard. Hashtag need, we're hiring. Need that yes. coffee. Yeah, we <laughs> are hiring. <laughs> Link in bio. Um, so I realized my coworker pointed out that I drink a lot of coffee, and I never thought that I was a coffee drinker. Really? But I think I subconsciously am just like Main, drinking, mainlining it, drinking, iced coffee. getting it. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize. I think this is – I'm enabled. Well, the first step is just admitting that you have a problem. So <laughs> I feel like we've already no accomplished idea. a lot on this <laughs> podcast. I got through step one. Okay. So we've had you on. We know a lot of interesting things about you, like the fact that you're in a band mm-hmm. and you're a great drummer. Yeah. Um, what else can you give us before we jump in? Uh, I don't know. I was talking about this the other day with somebody. I've once spent uh, – Three weeks in Morocco. Is that interesting? Oh, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Uh, so I, I travel all around, went to all different places there. Uh, what was your favorite place? Oof, well, there was my favorite part was probably being in the desert overnight yeah. and actually seeing what this guy looked like. Uh, my least favorite part was uh, probably um, all day, every day, everyone trying to be my tour guide. And that's probably was oh, a bit of a drag. Yeah. And then another cool part was that we went to this one town called Chef Chowan, which is like stepping into the set of a Star Wars movie because all the dudes look like Obi-Wan Kenobi with the, with the hoods. Uh, and uh, that, was, that was quite something. Yeah. So Hashtag I, interesting. Yes, I recommend it, uh, although uh, it was three weeks is too long. It is a long time. Yeah. Why did you decide to do three weeks? Because you wanted to like really immerse yourself? Uh, it was the first time I, I had, uh, sort of quit my job, mate. You know, I ain't got no job, so I might as well <laughs> travel around a little bit. It was a lot of fun, though. That is very fun. And I think um, seeing the sky like that, I don't know how I would deal with that. I feel like I would get scared. Yeah, it was a little. So um, my wife and I went. We rode a camel out to the desert. And then cool. we, were, we were sliding uh, down dunes. Whoa. Like they were, it, was like, it was like snow, except really hot. <laughs> yeah. Was it cold at night? It was really cold at night, yeah. And also, fun fact, camels are really, really mean. Yeah, I feel like they're like that, like kangaroos. Like, you think kangaroos are cute, but they're yes. mean and they kick you? Yes. Also, and my, and my favorite random animal is the jacked kangaroos. Have you seen those before? What? No, what are they? Yeah, I'll send you a picture. Oh, the jacked, afterwards. like strong. Yes, super jacked ones, yeah. <laughs> those are horrifying. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> All right, well, I'm happy that we got our fill of uh, animal talk. Anyway. 
Anyway, okay, so we've talked in the past about uh, stable coins. Yep. Um, can we get a little bit of an update? I actually want to take a step back. Sure. And can you talk about what exactly a stable coin is for any new listeners? Sure. So the easiest way to conceive of a stable coin uh, would, would to think of it as uh, really is it's a, it's a token on a blockchain network that represents a pile of money that's sitting somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in for what we've seen with different stable coins that have been issued, and we'll talk about JPM coin, which was announced uh, recently, mm-hmm. uh, really is there is there's money deposited in a bank account, uh, and it's happily sat there, and you can create a one-to-one token, mm-hmm. um, token that represents, you know, one dollar, and usually our dollars. Um, and then that token can move around the blockchain network that it's on. Mm-hmm. And when the holder of that token can come back to the issuer and say, I'd like my dollar bill back, and they mm-hmm. can hand their token back, the token gets destroyed, and they get their dollar bill back. Uh, okay. That's how it generally works. Um, there are other aspects to it. There are other flavors of it uh, when you come to sort of like the algorithmically uh, backed uh, stable coins, but that hasn't really worked in practice, and there's some other sort of crypto-native ones. But mm-hmm. for the ones that specifically that a lot of people are talking about and what JPM coin is based on, Mm-hmm. These are uh, these are one to one uh, one to one mappings of a token to a dollar bill that is at a bank account. Okay, so why is it called stable coin? Well, they were created uh, to solve the initial problem. They were created to solve was were twofold within the Bitcoin world. Uh, mm-hmm. One was to uh, to try and eliminate the volatility of holding a settlement asset. That's moving around like like Bitcoin or, or Ether or some other uh, crypto. Mm-hmm. So that, hence the stable part. But the second part was probably more important. It was really because those that were within the Bitcoin ecosystem were having a really hard time to access uh, banking, U.S. banking, and, the, and in effect, dollar markets. Yeah. So this was a way for, for those participants to help settle the dollar leg of a trade in a timely fashion. Um, and then eventually over time, they could sort of cash out of the... I guess Bitcoin casino, and then redeem their <laughs> stablecoin for good old American dollars. Yeah, I like the casino analogy because yeah. that's kind of the first way I understood um, really what it was. Yeah, and if you if you think of it in in relation to what J.P. Morgan is has announced uh-huh. uh, and what they'll be implementing over the next few months, it is similar to that with uh, where J.P. Morgan is is really issuing these these tokens mm-hmm. that can circulate around within a J.P. Morgan network for now. So it's a very similar kind of construct. Yeah. I saw that news. That news came out very recently. Yes. Did you know that that was kind of in the works? I yeah. feel like I didn't. I had no idea. But yeah. then again, I don't know as much about tokens. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, so we so the, uh, there's been lots of activity over the last, I guess, year or so. Uh, yeah. We've been involved in, obviously, JP and other banks and mm-hmm. and other sort of ecosystems, utility settlement coin. Uh, folks are... are are iterating, experimenting, and implementing different methods to bring settlement assets uh, onto blockchain uh, platforms. So that's so that's been kind of going on for a while. Yeah. And it's kind of it's it's sort of like a one way I like to think of it is there's there's a uh, a bit of a continuum of these settlement assets. Yeah. Maybe I'll try and I'll maybe I'll share a, a link to a picture that I have in your show notes if okay. it's helpful. Uh, so there is sort of I guess. Uh, riskier settlement assets like something like Tether or some of these other stable coins that are coming out, which are you have to kind of trust. Uh, you have to trust Gemini, for example, yeah, yeah. Uh, to issue this Gemini dollar. And then there is super high end uh, uh, potential digital currency issued by central banks directly, whether it's wholesale mm-hmm. um, to you know the banks within their ecosystem or retail to you know the, you know the uh, Joe Public on the street. 
And then there are things in between, and the in between is where a lot of uh, projects have been focused, and that's what JPM Coin's trying to do. Um, yeah. That's what we've been working on, others have been working on. It's a, first off, it's an incredible uh, testament to the, the maturity of, all, of blockchain technology overall. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think it was also really interesting to see the reaction to it yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Um, and it, it's, uh, I think it just, it shows how the narrative's changing. It's, it's kind of going beyond like, are we going to be using blockchain for anything too? Uh, obviously whenever something's announced, everyone calls it stupid. I guess that's the first, uh, yeah. that's the first reaction to everything. <laughs> but before we get into that, so back to what they're, what they're looking to do, it's, it's really about tokenizing commercial bank money. Yeah. Um, this is uh, initially just within J.P. Morgan. And it's a little bit – it's hard to, to really describe in too much detail because there's not a lot of detail around how the issue redeem is actually working. Yeah. Um, and initially, it will be just to J.P. Morgan only. So there's a bit of a of a, of a a walled garden to start with. But I imagine that yeah. over time, you know, they're looking to expand that. And that's been our thesis as well is that as all of these, these um, blockchain networks and small business networks come online, um, these – Settlement assets will be attracted to where the business is, and so, you know, yeah. that's why we're excited. Where we have uh, all the activity within within uh, supply chain and trade and, and lending and uh, in capital markets, where as these networks come online, they're going to be there's going to be a big demand for settlement assets, and so hopefully, JPM coin over time will become more of a generic, uh, say, U.S. bank coin, so that more and more participants will be there, more issuers, and it can be a much bigger ecosystem. And I think if you look at overall what JP and a lot of the larger banks are doing in this space. They're just trying to help improve uh, the overall ecosystem so they can better reach their customers, drive down their costs, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's a testament to the technology for sure. Thank you for going into that because it helps explain kind of what they're doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, last thing, it got a little bit lost in the reaction where everyone was saying, I think the one bit of feedback would be they called it a cryptocurrency, which I don't, I don't, really necessarily think is correct, but it's really a detail. And a lot of folks, mm-hmm. especially in Twitter, kind of latched on to that being wrong, oh. um, which is fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's sort of forest for the trees kind of thing where yeah. uh, it doesn't matter what it's called. It's about what problems it can solve. And it's also really important to not get fixated on how it looks day one. Yeah. And I think that's a really big challenge for any of the stuff that you're trying to bring to market because day one uh, is not where things end up. Yeah. So day one, and especially with a lot of these, um, uh, a lot of the apps are coming online. Day one, they might look a little bit centralized, but over time, as uh, as things evolve, they're going to become more and more distributed. And I think the vision is mu- is much more. The vision and the direction of travel is way more important than where you are in day one. Oh, and for I think sure. That's been that's what's the most uh, exciting thing for me. For sure. So speaking of kind of evolving, yep. we uh, announced Corda Settler yep. a few months ago. And I've said this to you before, but I've always called it Corda Settler. Yeah. And because everyone, Settler sounds so much better. And I think yeah. it's like more like British and like kind of hip. It is cool. It's sort of, it's kind of like, you know, you're strutting around the table, Settler. It's yeah, kind of it's like, like yeah, yeah, Corda Settler. I got this. I'm going to use the Settler. <laughs> I was like, can I use the settler? Yeah, settler sounds weird. Like, yeah. I feel like there's something, like, stuck in my mouth or something when I say <laughs> that because it doesn't really sound right or proper, like my uh, British friends would say. But so we announced that, and we were using uh, uh, XRP for the first um, payment rail to settle. Mm-hmm. So since then, we have announced that we are using Swift. Well, even more importantly, Swift has announced that Swift um, announced. with Swift GPI uh, that um, – 
well, to back up a little bit, Swift GPI has been an initiative that, that Swift has been building out for the last few years, and mm-hmm. it's about them modernizing uh, their uh, messaging and payment platform around Swift, mm-hmm. and they're bringing uh, API technology and more transparency and visibility to, to what Swift does today. Yeah. And it's been extremely successful, mainly, be, mainly uh, for a couple of reasons. One, their ecosystem's gotten behind it, mm-hmm. and two, it's been incremental change that they've been bringing to that uh, yeah. ecosystem. So they have over 50% of their uh, payment messages are going over GPI now, which is incredible. So what was announced wow. was uh, the ability, uh, well, we're, we're, we're already actually well down the road with the POC with, with Swift and working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the ability for participants uh, on Corda to initiate uh, a payment uh, via Swift GPI. Yeah. So that is we think is a big deal for a few different reasons. Uh, one, obviously, when we started uh, R3 and building out Corda, we were always looking at ways we can uh, work with and leverage existing ecosystems and technology. Mm-hmm. And working with Swift, that's 11,000 uh, participants that are part of the, the Swift network. Whoa. Yeah, 11,000. Um, that's a lot. It's amazing. And obviously, there's a, there is a big overlap of of some of our big supporters and some of the big supporters of GPI. Mm-hmm. And we were already, we've been inundated with sort of phase two of our POC is around having some of these uh, banks and corporates to get involved. Uh, and we're, it's, we're already overwhelmed with the interest in that, which is amazing. And, and for the folks listening, we'd love to hear from you as well yeah. on that. Um, and I think the, this, the second part is it's showing for us the flexibility of, of Corda to be able to um, get going today Get mm-hmm. live today. We're going back to you know settlement assets on on quarter on blockchain. A big part of quarter settler was the big drive behind is we have users that are going live this year mm-hmm. that they are looking to get access to different payment rails, getting access to settlement. They'd love to do that on quarter, and also they'd love to initiate it from quarter. So this gives them a way to get going now, um, and we'll see how things go. We have um, I think we have a webinar coming up. We do. It's on the fourteenth of uh, oh, that's March. That's why you were checking on your phone. Yeah, I, thought you I were wasn't live being tweeted. rude. I promise. Um, well, maybe I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's at ten a.m. EST on March fourteenth. So yeah, and that's going to be that's going to be great. So we have uh, we have Roger Willis who was on the podcast to talk about this before. Yeah, he's great. Yes, uh, and uh, Tom Pop from uh, from Swift. And mm-hmm. Simon Taylor, the blockchain beard, will be moderating. <laughs> That's <laughs> that awesome. One. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm really excited. I signed up this morning to save my place because I think they're almost all gone. I saw that. Seriously, we're I'm putting out this podcast uh, episode ASAP, but we are getting getting up there on registrations. Yeah. Uh, so. I think it, that's also really uh, – it's a really great signal. So people are hungry to learn more about about this, about the work with Swift. We're really mm-hmm. excited. It, it's um, – and we're looking to uh, to really not just tell but to show. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a big theme for 2019 is is to show and not tell. So I'm really excited about that. And so tying it back to the stablecoin thing. So we're, we're looking at trying to uh, get to uh, value this year. Mm-hmm. So with – in, with Corda Settler, this allows for participants using Corda today to be able to, to initiate settlement. We're also doing a ton of work on direct uh, settlement assets and stable coins and all some all other cool Ooh. and some some kind of crazy stuff. We have a ton of tools uh, mm-hmm. that are that are online. Our token SDK is open source and out there. We had a we had a uh, just this morning uh, one of our community was uh, sending in a bunch of uh, uh, updates to that 
uh, SDK, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. So there's more and more coming out every day. And I think also what you're starting to see is a theme of the enterprise blockchain space uh, and the enterprise space working together much more. So this is us working with Swift, and I think starting to see some of these other blockchain communities working together on certain things. Yeah, I'm happy you brought up enterprise blockchains because Dave Hudson from R3 is about to come on the podcast to talk about that and much more. That's amazing. He is the best. Yeah, I swear. There is so much to learn from you people. <laughs> not from not from me people, yes, from him. from you. I'm learning yeah. so much from you and Dave Hudson and everyone. So I hope everyone else is learning as much as me. Thank you for coming on today and explaining all this stuff to me. Thank you, Catherine. Dave Hudson is in New York City. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you for coming into the studio today. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Of course. I'm so happy to have you. How has your time been here so far? Uh, it's been absolutely awesome. I love coming out. <clears throat> pardon me. I love coming out to New York and visiting the team here. So, uh, as part of my role within R3, I have people uh, in the team in New York, in London, Singapore. Mm -hmm. And so I love to get out and actually get to see what they're doing and talk with people directly. Mm -hmm. um, and actually find out how everybody else is thinking about what we're doing and the sort of stuff we're building. Yeah, totally. So on that topic, what do you do here exactly? Okay, so my role within R3 is I lead the solutions engineering team. Mm -hmm. uh, so the solutions engineering team is the team that takes Core as a platform and bridges it and turns it into something that we can use with our, with our clients and our partners. So um, people who are building with Corda and thinking about how they're going to deploy with Corda will typically come to the solutions team or they'll come to the sales engineering team uh, and they'll need advice on how to actually get things done or you know, sometimes they just need pointers in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And we're the team that will help them with that sort of work. And we also look at some things that are new. Uh, so if there's anything that we identify in the market ahead of where we are with the platform, then we will help people build things for that as well. Yeah, very cool. So what brought you to R3? What did you do before? Give us a little history. Okay, so uh, the, <laughs> the R3 journey for me is a bit unusual. Uh, so this is actually, for me, it's a, a complete departure from what I've done before. Ooh. I, I had a career in doing core platform and product design, so mm -hmm. a lot of platform engineering. Uh, so I'm based in the UK. I actually had 17 years where I was based in the UK but working for companies in the Bay Area, so mm. in California. So yeah. lots of flying backwards and forwards. Um, Ooh, long flights, so, too. Yeah, yeah, very long flights. Lots <laughs> of flying miles. So uh, I did, uh, did 17 years of that. Um, so I built a lot of stuff around CPU architectures and around core software and platform software. So I'm very, very passionate about platforms and, and how you can build things uh, and build interesting distributed things. So uh, most of my career has been around networking and CPU architecture. Uh, about 2014, I sort of got interested in blockchain. I was interested in Bitcoin. I love statistics, so I did a lot of blogging, mm -hmm. and that led me into more around the, the blockchain space and understanding what it was and what you could use blockchain for. Um, and I loved the technology, but I was really interested in how you apply it to solve real problems. Mm -hmm. I think technology, for its own sake, isn't very interesting, isn't very valuable. It's only really useful when you actually use the technology to solve real problems that people actually care about. Yeah. So uh, I came through a slightly circuitous route, uh, did some other blockchain stuff for a few years, and then landed up here at R3 to actually solve problems using, using blockchain as a platform. Yeah. 
That is very cool. Um, so talking kind of about how you use blockchain in production, can we talk a little bit about enterprises? So uh, we talk about blockchain a lot, and we have Core Enterprise, of course. But what's so important about having an enterprise blockchain? Okay, so uh, I think enterprise blockchain is really exciting because blockchain allows us to solve some problems that have not been able to be solved very easily before. Yeah. So I'm really excited about technologies that can do things that are new, uh, and that was one of the reasons I, I got very excited about Corda. Um, I could see the opportunity to build systems that you couldn't build any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's really, really exciting. And, and there's lots of problems where we see people having to deal with these sort of decentralized uh, transactions, and they've not been able to apply technology very effectively before. We see lots of silos where different organizations have their own representation of things and they're not quite lined up. They end up with sort of reconciliation problems and things not quite working. Mm-hmm. And with a platform like Corda, we can actually build something where those problems can be made to go away. Uh, yeah. We can reduce friction. We can make it easier, lower cost, more reliable, um, and just generally solve problems that weren't possible to be solved before. So a lot of people have talked about this. There's lots of papers about solving this sort of problem. Uh, Corda is one of the first platforms that actually really properly solves those problems in a way that people can use and and use well. So exciting. So what would you think uh, is one of the biggest, or not one of, some of the biggest hurdles into getting um, blockchains into production? So I think we've seen a lot of blockchains that have been building proofs of concepts, and it's very exciting. People people get very enthusiastic, and you yeah. sort of get a hype cycle, and people are, you know, wow, we can we can do anything with this. Um, one of the challenges is that a lot of those things look like demos, mm-hmm. uh, and with all software, building demos um, is is great. You get a sense that something's possible, but the real work comes in turning that demo into something that's production ready. Um, uh, a very good friend of mine once described this as. It's very easy to build a system that works. It's very, very hard to build a system that fails gracefully and, and handles all of the problems that can occur. And that's also part of the, the, the aspect of building an enterprise platform is that we have to build something that's robust and something that can actually be used in production environments. We have to be able to think about the things that can go wrong mm-hmm. and actually plan for things going wrong and actually how, how those are going to be managed. So moving away from the proofs of concepts that we've seen over the last couple of years and into actual real deployable applications that not only can be deployed and run for you know the first six months, but we can imagine running in 20 years' time and yeah. still being there. That's actually that's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing, we're also seeing some interesting questions around what it, does it really take to deploy a technology like uh, a, a DLT or blockchain into environments where there are usually some fairly tight and uh, restrictive rules around the sorts of applications and they, they, they've evolved for very good reason around the internet, for example, mm-hmm. uh, some of the technology problems that occur there. Um, so we've, we've had to think about some of those things as well. So we spent a lot of time this year thinking about um, how do we make uh, this sort of platform work in those environments. We spent a lot of time working with uh, some of the most challenging sort of network and enterprise architects to actually understand what their concerns are and build something that actually addresses those concerns. So I think those are the two two big areas right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually getting things to the point where these are robust enough to actually put into deployment and then also meeting the requirements around how they're actually deployed and operated. Yeah. So obviously when people think about blockchain, even if you just have like a very basic knowledge, you think like, oh, it's very private. But another uh, aspect of 
blockchain that's so important is the scalability aspect. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so this is actually one of the reasons why I, I was very excited about Corda as a platform. Uh, very early on. My, my background is a lot of work around network and network protocol design and network Im implementation. And a lot of blockchain platforms sort of use broadcast networks. They gossip things to all the participants. And I mm -hmm. looked at that, and as a networks engineer, I could see some uses for it, for, but they're fairly narrow. Uh, apart from privacy implications, there's just performance and scaling implications to doing that. Um, and, uh, and this is something I'd had some experience with before in, in other environments. Uh, I looked at Corda and saw something that was actually designed to scale. It was designed to allow messaging to happen in a much more sort of natural and organic way. Where if you think about, you know, you, you come to do some transaction with somebody, you walk into a store to buy something, you don't suddenly shout to everybody in the store, I'm buying this thing, and everybody in the store has to go, oh, wow, you're buying that thing. You actually <laughs> walk up to the cashier and you say, you know, Here, here's the thing I want to buy, here's the money. And you walk out the door and, frankly, the only people who were aware of the fact you were doing it were you and the cashier. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody else with a different cashier and they're doing the same thing. You're not aware of what they're doing either. There's no need to, to go shouting this from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. um, but it's much more scalable. The reason you don't do that in a store is, you know, if you've got a big supermarket, you can have 60, 70 checkouts potentially, mm -hmm. um, and they can all be in use, and everybody's happily checking out all at the same time, and, and it's much more efficient. Mm -hmm. And Corda, to me, was actually addressing that same sort of concern. And what we've actually discovered is that uh, over the last year, we're finding more and more applications where that's a, a key requirement. Uh, we want to be able to build things that can scale massively. Mm -hmm. um, and so the capability of any individual component can improve over time, but the capacity of the entire network can be absolutely vast. And so we've, we've done some work around that this year as well. And that's been very exciting because it was a theory that this should just work. And then the very first time we tried to try this at scale, it just worked, which was yeah. you know, tremendous. Yeah, I really like that example that you gave. And I was thinking in my head, like, of course, you don't go screaming, like, oh, I'm going to buy this, unless you're me, excited about, like, <laughs> I, I think I did that the other day. <laughs> I walked in a store and I was like, this is what I'm getting. So that's why I was laughing while you were talking. <laughs> Because <laughs> normal people do not do that. Um, so the other day you were talking about shrinking nodes, and mm -hmm. that's a very interesting concept to me because I don't understand. So why would that be useful? Okay, so, I mean, when you build a technology, you build it, you have to design it to the constraints of the hardware that's available and the software environment that's available. And so there's a cost associated with that, and, and, uh, and it, it gives you a certain set of things you can actually apply the technology to. But if you're really successful with this sort of technology, you'd like to be able to use it for more and more things. Mm -hmm. So that if you can put it into smaller packaging or you can put it into different packaging or make it more accessible, these are all great things and great, great attributes. Um, and you know, we believe that you know, Corda can do awesome things. We believe it can do a lot more awesome things in the future if we apply it to some of these smaller footprints. So mm -hmm. uh, people often talk about things like IoT and they get quite excited about that. I spent a lot of time in that sort of space before. And actually, if you look at the sort of platforms that are used now for building IoT, for example, right now, they, they often use Linux. And mm -hmm. yet, when you look at Linux 20 years ago, uh, when it was in its very early days, it was something that ran on expensive hardware. And yes, it was, it was less constrained than other systems that were similar, but it still needed you know, hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars of hardware mm -hmm. to run well. Mm -hmm. And over time, it shrank. And, and I was involved in some stuff when I was at Qualcomm where we shrunk that down to the point where the sort of hardware required to run that was $1.50. Wow. 
Oh, wow. Um, so that's that's the sort of thing that I think over time that becomes really exciting because you can then use the technology in more interesting ways and for more interesting applications that um, you, you frankly couldn't consider right now because of cost. So the wow. idea of shrinking corda is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, we've made some design choices that allow us to to do that sort of thing. Uh, we, we're not relying on things that will only ever have to be vast in scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're starting on that journey. Um, I think that will be really, really exciting to see where that leads. Yeah. I never really thought about how much space all of this stuff takes up. So I, I think one of the challenges is, I, and, and maybe I mean, we've, we've heard this sometimes as criticism of some of what we're doing with Corda, there was a perception that we were just building things for big financial institutions. But what mm-hmm. we're actually finding is for all the reasons I got excited about the technology, before, frankly, I had any idea who we were building it for <laughs> uh, before I joined the firm, um, I, I got excited because I could see the potential. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing now is more and more partners coming to us and going, we, we think there's a great potential to do these things. What mm-hmm. we're now starting to see is partners coming in and saying, well, you know, we could do these things, but they look smaller or they look bigger scale, they look totally different. Yeah. Um, and the same technology can scale to fit those things as well. Yeah. I think that's also one of my favorite things that people say about Corda is – that yes, okay, we had this consortium and um, everyone does have that person, not everyone, some people have that perception that we're just building it for financial institutions. But that's one of my favorite things about Corda is because of all of the um, regulations and kind of constraints that these banks had, that's why other people can use Corda because it's perfect for for their companies. I mean, Corda's not perfect for everyone, but um, I was laughing because apparently... Uh, this CEO of our company was talking on stage the other day, and he apparently said, you know, Corda, it's not for everyone. There's probably some small, small village somewhere that they can't use Corda. But other than that, everyone can use Corda. And apparently he was on stage and everyone was like, what is this guy saying? Which makes me laugh. Yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> there's, there's no reason why we can't. I think I think Corda can be used for lots and lots of different things. Um, yeah. I think I mean, it, the other thing that I like about Corda, um, the evolution from starting with something that's incredibly hard and a very, very challenging set of customers and, and, and partners mm-hmm. actually means that we've had to think about what it's going to take to take this into some of the most difficult environments yes. in terms of what it takes to, to get it live. Um, it's also given us access to people who've been able to challenge us about the technical aspects of what we're doing mm-hmm. very, very strongly and, and give a very strong, robust argument about how things need to be. But what that's meant is that we've been able to think about how to solve something for one of the most difficult environments. And and thereafter, other environments tend to look sort of easier. Yeah. It's not to say that there aren't challenges unique to each area. There are regulations everywhere. But if you can deal with one very highly regulated space, there's a very, very good chance you're going to deal with other ones too. And you're mm-hmm. certainly going to be able to deal with things that are less well regulated or, or where the yeah. regulations are less less of a concern. So it's it's a nice characteristic. Yeah. Ugh. Dave, you're so much more eloquent than me. <laughs> that was a great way to describe why I love Corda. I'm just going to replay this and try to memorize your spiel and act like it was mine. Just kidding. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the business network tools. What is that? What is this? Okay. Uh, this is something I love to talk about. So uh, if you look at, back at Corda and the publications from maybe a year, year and a half ago, I think the word business network appears once in anything that we'd actually published. <laughs> and so my team's focus is on 
finding things that we need to actually fill in that aren't yet part of the platform, but we need to help bridge between the platform and what clients want to do with, with the platform. So we looked at this business networks thing, we talked with all the team within R3 and said, okay, what is everybody thinking about this? And we started thinking about what it, what it means to build a business network. And so, you know, when we're thinking about a business network, we're saying, you know, there's some particular thing you're going to transact. You're going to build some one or more core apps that allow you to do those things. Um, so you have something you can transact, but then you can have other business networks that the same participants are in transacting something completely different as well. So the idea mm -hmm. is you can build this big uh, sort of large scale uh, zone. And within that, you can actually transact many, many different sorts of things. So we think about what that, what does that look like? And uh, so one of the challenges was nobody had really thought about what it takes to build a business network mm -hmm. and actually call out some of the things there. So some of the team spent some time thinking about that. Um, and then we started looking and go, well, you know, based on the feedback and our interactions with our first few clients, um, there's some, some tooling here, some, some components that are missing or would make it easier for everybody if they existed, but we're not ready to make that part of the platform yet. Uh, because it's too early. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we, we have no idea if this is the right way to do it or just a way of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so we started building some of that stuff out. So within the solutions team, we have a lot of software engineers um, who are building things that, that sort of layer on top of Corda, and we were looking at uh, what we could do. So we started to build software, so we built a few different, different services. Uh, one is the Business Network Membership Service, mm -hmm. which is designed to allow... Uh, somebody who's running and operating a business network to actually manage the participants within it. So if they have a, a, a well-defined membership list, then this allows them to control that list and actually make that available to other parties in, in the network so they know who else is there and what they're transacting and how they're transacting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we started thinking about some other things we could build as well. So we've built some more services over time. Um, we do this all out in the open. Uh, everything's public. Uh, just like we have Corda is open source, all the stuff we're doing in this area around solutions is all open source as well. Mm -hmm. You'll find it all on, on GitHub, sitting alongside the Corda repo. There is a Corda solutions repo as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually also managed to get some stuff uh, published, and so we have it in the same sort of format as the Corda Docs site. Yes. So if you go and check out solutions.corda.net, then you will find some of the work that the solutions team are doing. And then we're going to be adding a lot more to that over the next uh, coming months. And uh, mm -hmm. we're adding stuff continuously. You can also find all of the code for that, just like the Corda Docs. It's all open source. Uh, if you find any mistakes, submit us a pull request. We'll fix it for you. So oh, cool. Um, but it's all there. And it's it's intended to help people bootstrap. Yeah. Um, so you know, we don't think it's ready for the platform yet. At some point in the future, maybe some of this folds into the platform because it, we, we become confident it's going to be used by everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, if not, at least it serves as a reference example of how to solve some of these problems. Yeah. The developer community is so awesome to me, especially around Corda, just obviously because I don't know how the other like <laughs> platforms, other communities are. But um, I think just the open source community, too, and like having other developers to be like, hey, I found a mistake in this, or like contact us and look through the code. Like having all of that information is so cool. It's, it's really valuable. And I think um, having come, I mean, I've had a, a background in open source for a very, very long time. I've been mm -hmm. involved in a lot of projects over the years. And I found it incredibly valuable throughout my career to be able to, to leverage the work that other people are doing. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what we're doing with Corda and the way that we can build Corda apps out and then Corda apps can rely on other Corda apps, mm -hmm. it, it's a sort of natural evolution. 
And so um, and as a developer, I tend to look at court apps and look at them in the same way I would look at the library ecosystem in a more conventional operating system, except with Corda, we're not just spanning something inside of a single computer. We're spanning things across many, many computers in many different organizations. Mm -hmm. So I get excited as a, as a technologist because I see something that I can relate to the concept, but I see a completely new expression of it in what we're doing. And one of the things that you know we're hugely, hugely positive about is, is actually getting more people doing this stuff. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to show a way of doing this outside of the core platform side of things. And there are other teams doing this as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, we're very, very excited about what they're doing too. And to me, it would be just a tremendous outcome to see lots and lots of people building more and more of these sorts of capabilities, trying them out, seeing what works. Uh, this is a completely new space. I mean, again, this is something I get really excited about. Nobody's ever solved this sort of problem before. They've never done it on this sort of scale before. So we all get to write a new rule book, and that doesn't yeah. happen very often. There's nothing more exciting as a technologist. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> I love hearing you talk about this stuff. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about Corda Trials? We had I had Ryan Rugg on here a few episodes ago, and she talked a little bit about Corda Trials, but I'd love to hear some from you. Okay, uh, awesome. So, so what we actually did was we, we wanted to actually show people what it was to experience Corda and to be able to use it and, and, and get a sense of what it was about. And so one of the ways of doing that and part of an education process is to get people to learn a little bit about Corda and then actually do something with it. Mm -hmm. So the Corda trials were about us standing up an environment that they could run uh, those trials within and they could participate. And, and we had a lot of people from a lot of different organizations now who've joined various different trials. I think we've run four successful trials now. Cool. Uh, lots of different people have been able to join them, learn about Corda, try things out, interact with their peers mm -hmm. and, and find out what it is to actually be part of this Corda journey. Um, and it's really exciting. But I think the thing that's actually been most exciting to me is to realize that this is becoming part of a part of a larger journey. Yeah. And this is something we're always looking for. So what we've realized is that what we did with the trials is also a natural sort of expression of an, an, a natural evolution of, a, of these decentralized applications. At some point, you're going to have to test them and, and check they work. You're going to have to sell them to people. Mm -hmm. um, these are all things that are going to happen uh, just, just as part of building things. So we're looking at the trials and the trials framework and actually looking at how we make that available to people. So, mm -hmm. yes, we've run trials. We, we understand some of what makes them work, some of what actually made some of them very, very painful. They've been great <laughs> learning exercises. Um, but we've been able to, dis to, to distill that into things that actually are very, very important and that we can help other people with. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we're very, very passionate about within the solutions team is actually compressing the amount of time it takes from having a great idea to having that in production. Yeah. Um, and the trials feel like a really natural part of that journey. Yeah. Um, and again, some of the tooling we talked about with the business network stuff, the very first version of the trial didn't have any of that. We actually yeah. added that in there because it's a part of the evolution of what happens when you want to run multiple things on one one larger quarter zone. And, and we really want everybody on the quarter network here. Um, being able to have multiple business networks running simultaneously, that was a great proof point to show that we could actually do that. Yeah. They, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's... There are quarter trials coming up too, right? Like yeah, can't yeah. You, you can sign up for them. Yeah, we have quarter trials going to be running all the way through 2019. Um, and uh, they'll, we, we're hoping we'll have a much wider range of trials. I mean, we have yeah. partners who are looking at what it will take to actually 
bring their software into the trials framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be working with them to actually allow other people to experience that. Um, and I think that there are other things that we're looking at um, sort of more widely where this will just become a natural part of that journey. Sweet. So I think that a lot of information is on our Marketplace site. I'll link to all of this stuff for people who are interested. Um, so why do developers like building on Corda? Okay, so I, I think most developers love working on open source platforms. And yeah. one of the great things is that we have so this core of Corda is open source. Um, and and it, it's what allows us to build out stuff within the solutions team. It's what has allowed all of our, our partners to build things as well. Mm-hmm. You get to be able to sort of poke at all the internals of the system design. Yeah. And having an open platform is a great thing to work with. Um, it means that if you have a problem, you can find out what, what the problem is. You can resolve it. You can, you can do all sorts of interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's actually a, a sort of a, a great thing to actually work with. But then the other thing that's nice is that Corda was designed with not, not perhaps the most sexy technology components, but they're things that actually a lot of people um, actually understand and they yeah. can relate to. And we're putting them together in a, in a sort of different way. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the conversations I often have with developers is, you know, at an enterprise level, we built Corda around the Java virtual machine. We built it around relational databases. We built it around well-known industry message queues and message brokers. Um, that's allowed us to actually give a great deal of familiarity and a great deal of comfort to the fact that we're building with things that people know will be okay to run in production. Yeah. They can run and operate them. They, they know what that's about. So it removes some of the risk. The design of Corda was based around using the Java virtual machine to do all of the uh, smart contract logic. Mm-hmm. So again, we're not asking anybody to have to learn something that's fundamentally new and alien. And, and frankly, I mean, if you look at it, we have an ecosystem where we're supporting Kotlin, obviously, for our own development, but we support Java as a first-class citizen there. Yeah. Um, and that opens up an ecosystem of 9 million developers worldwide who learn Java. Practically yeah. everybody who learns software engineering learns Java. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to actually get and understand what it's about. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the other thing is from, a, from my own perspective, I, I know in my earlier career I'd look at things and go, well, okay, if I use this technology or I look at that technology, what's the downside potentially? Mm-hmm. And there's very little downside if you're a developer and you're familiar with the tooling and you're, you're familiar with the languages. You look at it and go, well, you know, the worst case outcome is I built something and it just made me better at the thing I was already good at anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I've got some new experiences in building something. Yeah. So there's no real downside. It's not like you've gone off and had to learn something around mm-hmm. some niche language that, you know, if it disappears in two years' time, you've, you've lost all that work and you, yeah. can, you can chalk it up to experience. You can actually say you've, you've done something new and learned something new. Yeah. So I think that's actually a tremendously positive message for people who want to get involved early on as well. Yeah. And, and, and obviously the accessibility because you're not going to have to go and learn something fundamentally new. You can contribute more quickly. We've seen, we've literally seen developers who within the first day of being exposed to Corda have been building things. I mean, one of the most, ama- one of the most amazing things I get is I, I get people sometimes come into the team and, and we sort of assume it's going to take a few weeks to get your head around what Corda's about and we like to have people build things. Always like to set sort of, sort of some coding problem that we'd like people to solve. Mm-hmm. And we've had, we've had people come into the team and they've literally, we've turned around like two days later and they've said, well, right, we're done. What do we do next? <laughs> and you're going, really? <laughs> uh, which, is, which is amazing. Uh, it, so it just cool. shows it's very accessible. 
Yeah, that's really cool, uh, especially, again, my non-developer perspective. Um, it's just very cool that you can be working on a new technology but, like, already know how to, to work on it. Right. Yeah, there's, cool. there's a lot of the underpinnings are, are there and a lot of people already understand a lot of what's necessary. Yeah. Cool. So my last question would be, why would I choose Corda over any other blockchain platform? What are the upsides of choosing Corda? Okay. Other than everything we've other already said. Other than everything we've just said, yeah. I, I <laughs> other think than the community, with... the accessibility, the scalability, like all of the things we already said. You can also repeat those things. I, 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 could, I could repeat all those things. Um, <laughs> I, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, the, there's the open source aspect of it, which is great. Mm -hmm. There's the community aspect, which which is great. There's the scalability side of it, which, you know, these are all things. That, I mean, the, 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 the ability to do and innovate uh, around this platform is tremendous. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to me, you, you could look at other, other platforms, and, and there's some great aspects of other platforms. But you can put it all together and you end up with something that looks like Corda. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that, to me, is tremendously exciting. And I think that uh, we're seeing that feedback from other people right now, that they've looked at other things and they've seen good things and bad things and they've come to Corda and gone, wow, we, we can just be productive. We can just do things. Um, and we have that. We, we have the vision of what we want to be able to achieve, and we want to actually em embrace that and, and actually bring the whole community along with us. We would mm -hmm. like people to be ragingly successful with Corda, build out massive amounts of software on top of it, because there's nothing better from somebody who's spent their life in platform engineering than to see people build and use, uh, use build things on top of and use that platform. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, from our perspective, it's tremendous as platform people. To, to see that, but it's also an opportunity for people to get involved and actually make their mark in something that, frankly, could be, um, you know, the next huge wave of, of network computing. So yeah. uh, there's the challenge. I mean, we're writing new rules here. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to get involved and help us define that. Some of the stuff we've done around thinking around business networks is unfinished. We're still we're still working it out. Yeah. Uh, if you want an exciting place to come and solve problems and and work out things and make a mark on the industry, there is no better place right now. Oh my gosh, I've gotten goosebumps three times during this conversation. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Am I getting sick? <laughs> no, that is really, really awesome. Oh, I love, I love this industry. Oh my gosh. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I will link to all of the stuff that you were talking about before. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. This has been so much fun. It's been really good. Maybe I'll ha I have to try and convince you to come on again. Uh, next time I'm in New York, maybe. Woo! Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode. I think I am getting way too comfortable here. Anyways, uh, this episode was hashtag interesting. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media to get the latest. Feel free to give feedback to my Twitter at Brendan Rudder and rate and share the podcast with your friends. Um, we have some exciting things in the works, so stay tuned for all of that. Thanks. Love you. Bye. <laughs>